often, what is our heart saying to you and what are you saying to us? Lord, would we be open to hear more of you, to know more of you? And Lord, we just, we just look to you this morning, to the author and the finisher of our faith in every way and know that you will speak to us and guide us in everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. showing me is that I better be careful what I ask for. Sometimes I sing a song and I'm wondering if I even register what I'm asking for. Do we enjoy the trials of life? Do we rejoice in them? Do we see God in the middle of them? So many times in music, that's exactly what we're singing and proclaiming. Do we actually mean it?
things what how long of a list well I mean if we were singing a song about every breath I take I'd say probably not that long okay his mercies are new every morning I'm glad for that I think uh, my boys told me one day that I'm only two minutes from death at all times and every time I take a breath, I reset the clock. Sometimes it's pretty true. Something like that. I mean, probably me, I'd be brain dead in a minute and a half, but.
guys i was listening to a sermon this week my wife you know she always gets aggressive and says you have to listen to this you have to listen to it the more she pushes me the more i don't want to do it because it's like oh she wants me to um but you say what you think you're proud of me Dwayne? no you're proud of me oh okay um but usually i'm blessed if i actually follow her leading um so but she had this sermon from francis chan she really wanted me to hear and it was really good. It was um, he was talking about dying to ourself, but in such a sweet way of doing it. In how that we can, you know, he he had a bottle in his hand and he said this expression of how much everybody in church just wants to suck off this bottle all the time. He said, "I can come and I can share. I can give and give and give and give, and everybody just wants to suck off of this bottle." He said, "In reality, you just suck." And he said, "But." The reality of it is God wants us to latch on to him. And he was he took us, I think it's in Titus where it talks about, or Timothy or Titus, uh, where it talks about that we should be teachers by now, but we're still living on the milk of the word. And it was really an encouragement to me of how much, and he said, uh, the statement he said that I just love, and this is what my encouragement to you is, we can feed ourselves. We have the word of God right there in front of us at all times. We have the blessing of each one of us has multiple probably Bibles that we have in our homes. We can feed ourselves. Are we coming here? 
or do we have to go to somewhere else to suck off of them? Or can we just go to the Word of God and feed ourselves? Because He wants to feed us. He wants to give us beyond all the blessings. So I guess my encouragement uh, to everyone that was saying, you know, we can walk, we can do these things. It's great to be here. But we can also dig into the Word of God, each one of us, each and every day, and be and be um, totally fed and enlightened. God wants to give us so much in our spiritual wellness. And I just, I thought that was a great encouragement to myself. How many times I'll pick up my phone or, or go and have a great conversation with somebody. But sometimes I just need to go into my office and be fed by the Lord instead of by others.
guys want to stand up, stretch your legs, raise your arms, tap your toes. thinking about it um, do we actually turn around the blessings that we have and turn it back to praise and God blessed me with an ability of doing hydraulics very well and I never even once turned it back to his praise this week and that was something I, I was actually feeling guilty about and then we sang that song and then I decided I had to share about it too but where do we turn back the abilities that God have given us do we point it to him 
and had every opportunity to do it and didn't do it. But the good news is I got one more load to go there, so we'll turn it back to praise then.
You may be seated. Who's on for children's lesson this morning? Hmm, Pat is. All right. Corny Cornpicker and his friend Johnny Tractor sat side by side on the showroom floor. They were both shiny and new. They had become good friends as soon as they had arrived at the farm equipment store. I do hope we will be taken to the same farm so we can pick corn together, said Corny. Oh, Johnny, oh, Johnny Tractor replied, I hope so too. I, I do hope so too, Corny. Corn, Corny was the corn, okay. hang on. Corny Liss was the corn picker's real name, but Johnny nicknamed him Corny. Just as with people, they had a language all their own. They talked together mostly when people weren't around. One crisp autumn morning, when the corn was ripening, two farmers came to the store. Farmer Blue bought Corny, and the other farmer took Johnny Tractor away. Goodbye, Corny waved. Then, then they put him on a truck and drove away into the country. Looking over the huge cornfields, Corny said to himself, soon I'll be picking too. I'll do a good job for Farmer Blue. I'll pick all the corn and husk it clean. Suddenly, they were turning into Farmer Blue's farmyard. It was not a very tight place. Corny's heart sank, sank when he thought, this isn't so nice as I hoped it would be. Just then, Farmer Blue dumped Corny off the truck. He fell with a bang, a bump, and a crash, denting all of his graceful snout. Still, he said to, him, he said to himself, with my new paint, I look better than the other machinery. It's rusty and neglected. Next morning, Farmer Blue and his son mounted Corny on a sturdy old tractor. Corny, Corny could see it was a cousin of Johnny's. I like to make friends with an old tractor, thought Corny, but he seems so tired and discouraged. Farmer Blue doesn't take good care of him. They picked bright yellow corn day after day. Farmer, Farmer Blue just didn't grease Corny at all. So Corny's joints and bearings became so dry, they squeaked and squealed all the time. After another week, when Farmer Blue finished picking his corn, Corny was a sight. His joints squeaked louder than ever, and Farmer Blue scolded. I, didn't, I don't see why a new corn picker should squeal so. He, picked, he, pit, he pulled Corny into a patch of weeds and left him there. When the winter snow came, Corny shivered in the in the cold, day after day, and often spoke through his chattering teeth. I hope that the other farmer keeps Johnny Tractor in a warm, dry shed. Johnny is my best friend. I wonder if I'll ever see him again. Then spring came, and the long, hot summer, and Corny's elevator burned in the sun. He was very lonesome. Autumn came, and it was almost time to pick corn again. Farmer Blue sold his farm and moved to town. Another farmer looked at Corny and agreed to buy him. Corny's heart leapt for joy when he realized that it was the same farmer who bought Johnny's tractor. Corny wanted to laugh out loud for he might see Johnny again, and a tear dropped from his eye. Corny's new owner, Farmer, farmer Flower, loaded him ever so gently into a truck. Then they drove, into a they drove to a beautiful farm. Corny could scarcely wait to see if Johnny Tractor was there. But then he thought, no, I don't, I don't want my best friend to see me now. I'm so rusty and dented. 
Farmer Flower unloaded Corny in the corner of a fine new shed. Corny could see the other machines, even in the dim light, and far over at the other end was his friend, Johnny Tractor. Corny was so ashamed of his rusty snouts that he couldn't speak. At last, Corny was dry and warm, but he didn't sleep at all that night. He kept wondering what would happen. Would he dare talk with Johnny? When the rising October sun shone through the window, Corny sh stretched up for a look at Johnny, and Johnny was grinning at Corny. Hey, Corny, how you doing? Johnny shouted. It's you. Last night, I thought it must be one of your older brothers, but no, it's you. Oh, Johnny, Johnny, Corny smiled, trying not to be embarrassed. I'm your friend, Corny, all right, but, I have, but I've had a very bad time. Farmer Blue never greased me, and I sat in a weed patch all winter and summer. Just then, Farmer, Farmer Flower and his son came in, came in, their arms full of grease guns, paint sprayers, and tools. Corny's heart leapt into his throat again. Quick as a wink, Farmer Flower and his son went to work, taking Corny apart, greasing his joints, putting all new parts on, and painting him green and yellow. Johnny stood on his on his rear wheels and shouted, Whoa, Corny, you're gonna be you're going to look brand new again. And you're going to live here with us and you will always be well cared for. Then Johnny began to sing, Welcome, Corny Corn Picker. The farmer the farmers the farmer flowers green and yellow farm equipment family. Corny was so happy, big tears streaked his bright new paint. All the other machines started to dance and sing. Johnny Tractor rolled himself close to Corny and whispered in his ear, I have a surprise. Farmer Flower brought a field shelling, bought a field shelling attachment for you, and I'm going to pull you both through the big north field. Corny was happy when Farmer Flower fastened on Shelly Shelly. The the field shelling attachment. Shelly said to Corny and Johnny, we'll make the best field shelling team that ever wandered into a cornfield. Clancy Combine was nearby and heard him. I've got a corn attachment too, you know, and I'm going to do custom harvesting in the big valley tomorrow. We'll just see who shells the most corn, he roared. Just then, a third voice sizzled from across the barnyard and they all turned to see Davy Dreyer sitting near the big granary. Farmer, Farmer Flo's boy was turning up Davy's big burner so he could be ready for harvest. Just remember, Davy crackled, you, you all use me to dry the wet corn you shell. Oh yes, Johnny. Corny, Johnny, Shelley, and Clancy said, we'll work together and make a fine corn harvest team. Ellie Elevator raised her head from behind Davy Dryer and squealed, me too, don't forget me. When evening came, Farmer Flower drove Johnny, Corny, and Shelly into the shed for the night. Corny was so tired, he folded his snouts together, closed his eyes, and was soon asleep, dreaming that he had at last found a fine home where he had lots of farm equipment friends who all worked together for a happy, successful farmer and his family. The nice part of the dream was that it was true. Corny Corn Picker would never be neglected or unhappy again.
So with that story, what do you think the moral of that story is? What do you think that's about, though, in real life? Friendship. It is about friendship, yes. But um, what happens in, re in real life, you go through hard times, cold, like with Corny. He got left out in the snow all winter, all summer, because he got worn out and he didn't want him anymore. But the thing is, though, like with the farmer, farmer flower, that's like with God. You go through hard times, you get rusty spots, your joints squeak and everything, and you end up, you end up like that, right there. But when God, if you let God help you out, then He will make you look like this. He'll make you look brand new. He'll give you an entire makeover and it'll make you look brand new again so if if you let God into your life and you let him help you out then you and your friends and God you guys can do amazing things and I'm if you if you don't if you don't let God help you out yes you'll still be able to run but you won't be able to do it as well so like what is what is something that you can do to get closer to God and help you run better? What do you think one of those is, Caleb? Help your family, yeah. Praying. Praying. Praying, reading your Bible, spending time with God. Yeah, that's that's one that's one thing you can do to always reading God's word is like what the farmer did for Corny. Putting new paint on, putting new parts on. That's how it is with us, too, when we read God's Word. It gives you an energy boost. And it keeps you going throughout the week, the month, the year, and all the rest of your life. And that's about it. But the thing is, though, if you and God, if you like God, there is everything is possible. There is nothing impossible with God. So if you let him, you and your friends and God, you guys can do amazing things. All right. Well, you guys can go ahead and grab some Smarties. Also, do you guys like the Smarties or the stories better? Good morning to everyone. Glad to have everyone here. Beautiful, beautiful day, isn't it? I'm, I know personally I'm ready for some sunshine. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting hearing the, uh, the, the praise and what uh, Patrick was just sharing about a corn picker, you know, and it's and Kerry is sharing about his talent in operating equipment and and things. But you know, if we have an open mind, there's so many things in our daily lives, in our work even, that we can take a spiritual application to. And um, I know for yesterday, yesterday I was cutting grass and and. Um, don't do it too often, but um, with the line of work that I do, so you're in sales and you work with a lot of people, and some days you just feel like you're all alone, like you're fighting the battle by yourself. Anyway, I just uh, listen to like in inspirational speeches, and it's very interesting. Um, it was re it was saying about raising our standards like raising the bar and you know so many times is 
uh, and I was thinking of that in a spiritual sense too, you know, what am I doing? Um, if you're not happy where you're at in your spiritual walk or your weight wise, what am I doing? You know, what is your diet like? What are you feeding yourself on? And you know, that's physically, spiritually, mentally, and what am I doing to be a better me, to make a better community, to make a better world? It all begins here. Um, but I was just thinking of that. So many things, though, we can try to do it on our own, but without God, I don't think any of us could would be here. So... Um, I don't think there's anything really out of the, the norm here. Uh, thanks, everyone, for sharing so far. Brother Phil bringing us the, uh, the word. Uh, we do have a uh, lunch here, so feel free to stay around for that. Um, is it okay if I share this? Yes. Um, just happened to see in the back there's these cards for the Walker Hymn Um Personally, I haven't been there, but I heard a lot of inspirational things and encouragement things uh, being there, and that is uh, June the 17th at 6 p.m. Uh, it does say the grounds open at 4.30. Um, come early, bring a picnic dinner to enjoy with your family. Bring lawn chairs and blankets or whatever for your seating. So again, uh, there is a few cards in the back. Uh, Walker Hemsing on June the 17th. Is there anything else? Yeah. Okay, um, nothing else. Why don't we just bow our head for a word of prayer and um, turn the time over to Brother Phil. Father, we thank you so much for your love and for your goodness to us. Lord, it's because of you that we are gathered in this way. We just thank you for life and health and strength uh, in the physical sense, but also for in the spiritual. Lord, I just pray you be with Brother Phil. Give him words to speak. Anoint him and um, his tongue, and Lord, I just pray that we could all have open hearts and minds, and Lord, that we can receive what you have for us this morning, and Lord, I just commit this service into your care, and just be with us throughout this day, in Jesus' name, amen. With me this morning here, so we're going to sing a song together with you. With each other and together with you. Can you turn this mic on, brother? Which one did you get? There we are. Now, those who have the Bible, if you would like to turn to Isaiah 51, 11, because that's where we're going to be singing from. Mm-hmm. Okay. Therefore, the beam of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. 
and an everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Now if everybody would like to stand and join us. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys can find this song to put up on the... Uh on the screen, that might be nice. We can start singing a while okay. to find it to put it up. Therefore, the, the redeemer redeem of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. The everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Isaiah 51:11 So the ransom of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting and everlasting joy will be on their heads they will obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away and now listen to these words I even I I even I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies and the son of man who is made like grass? If you're trying to find your comfort anywhere else through man or men's health, you're searching at the wrong place. It is only the Lord who created us who is able to comfort us in all of our comfort, all of our earthly struggles, whatever that is, the one thing that we need every day is comfort. That's why the Holy Spirit, Jesus called him in John 16, the comforter. The comforter, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. His name is the comforter. Because God's people need comfort. We all do. Every day. <clears throat> Another thing that... Uh, the Spirit is leading us into this morning is a time of prayer and a time of anointing. And Brother uh, Hank has requested to have an anointing 
and a prayer over his, uh, over him and his family. And I'll invite you, Brother Hank, to come on up and, and share with us. Can someone give Hank a mic? Um, maybe Dave, do you have the mic or someone? He's going to share with us a bit, and then we're going to pray over him. Here we go. Thanks, Faith. Yeah, I'd like to piggyback a little bit off of what uh, Brother Phil just said about the comforter and uh, what has been happening in my life is I've been trying to do it without that and uh, trying to go just by the written word and it's been it's been quite a disaster to say the least and uh, <sighs> not living every day by hearing the voice of God has um, there have been times in my life when I have heard that but it seems like because we know what the Bible says we can just go with that and not connect with the author of the Bible and so what my prayer is this morning is that I would, uh, I would like to be filled with that spirit that he gives. And he said, anyone who asks will receive. And so that's what I'm asking for this morning. And I want it to be where my righteousness is all found in him. And not because of the written word, but the spoken word, which is where the life is. Now, they do not conflict with each other. But as we need food every day, so we need to hear from God every day. And so that's what my prayer is, and also for my family and for... Uh, the healing of my physical body. I have had quite a bit of pain, and I would like to have prayer for that. That's all I have to share. Um, Brother Lee, would you come up, please? And then those of you as a ministry team, if you would like to come up, and we'll pray over Brother Hank. I would also like to um, just share this with you as a church, because this is, I think, really important for us. This, the exercise of this truth among us, um, I, I'm so thankful the Lord is leading us into this truth and experiencing it together because it's where the power of God is. And James chapter 5, it says, is anyone among you suffering? And it doesn't mean that you might not be suffering physically, but you could be suffering in your relationships. You could be suffering spiritually, uh, just a battle with the devil. You could be suffering in many different ways. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Steve was cheerful tonight, this morning. So we sang praises. Is anyone among you sick? And that word sick is not just the word physical sickness. It's also spiritual sickness. Our spirits can get as sick as our physical bodies can. And that sickness is sin. And it separates us from our Father in heaven. 
And so he says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And listen what happens. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. It doesn't say it will heal. It says restore. That has to happen first. When those men brought that man that was paralyzed into Jesus, and he couldn't move, Jesus looked at him and he said, Son, your sins be forgiven you. He had to first forgive his sins. And then he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Then he could physically be healed. It's always in that order. Jesus never heals us physically without first restoring our spirits. Because our spirits are going to live forever. Our bodies are all going to die. They're not going to be in heaven. We have a new body. But our spirit is so much more important to Jesus. That's what he died for. So he restores him. The one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. And the reason I ask Hank to share and you others who want to be anointed is as therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So there is healing. But restoration comes first, and it comes through confession, or confessing our need. And when Hank shared about the need of the Holy Spirit, I shared with him this morning these words, and I'll just read this scripture yet, and then we'll pray. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 10, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and he who knocks, it shall be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? What father would do that? Give a rattlesnake to his son when his son is hungry for a fish. Have you ever heard of a dad doing that? No, Jesus didn't hear of a dad doing that either. Or if he asks for an egg, you will not give him a scorpion, will he? Have you ever heard a story where a child was hungry for scrambled eggs and mom gave him a scorpion? No. No parent has ever done that. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. He will. And this morning, Hank is asking for something he hasn't had yet in his life. And that is an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Where he is led by the Spirit, hears the Spirit's voice, not once in a while, but every day. And the Holy Spirit becomes his comforter, and he guides him into all truth. He speaks the Word of God into our hearts every day. And that is eternal life. So, Brother Hank, can you, can you kneel? Can you do that? And let's pray. Brother Lee, you can start.
We'll pray over him, those of you who would like to pray, and then I'll anoint him with oil. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we thank you for our brother Hank. Yes, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord, for what you're doing in his heart. Thank you. And we just join him in this prayer. God, that you will fill him with your spirit. Yes. And that, and that his spirit also knows, knows, God, that he's your son. God, that there is forgiveness of sins and that there is always another opportunity to do it right with you. We pray, God, for our brother that you keep working in his heart and in his mind and that, and that he can see how his mind is being renewed every single day and that he's being transformed and that your grace and your love flow through his life to others, to the people around him. We thank you for, for his life and that he's humble and brave at the same time to stand up in front of everybody and say, I, I need help. We bless our brother for taking that position, for allowing other people to speak into his life. We thank you, God, for, for this man, and we, and we pray that you continue to work in his heart and in his life. In Jesus' name. Father, I just commit uh, Brother Hank to you, Lord. I just thank you for uh, his presence here this morning and uh, his spirit of humility. Father, I just pray you continue to go before him, Lord, and then he can see your guiding hand in his life. Lord, I just pray that you be with him. And like Brother Lee said, that his spirit would be able to uh, resonate with your spirit, Father. And Lord, just give him peace and joy in his heart like he's never experienced before. And Lord, I just pray that um, you continue to guide him, give him the strength, the courage. Lord, some days it feels like we're alone, but you're always there. Lord, I just pray for the physical healing for him as well. Lord, I just pray that you would touch his body. Lord, I just uh, give him the strength and whatever his physical ailments be, Lord, and Lord, that you just uh, be able to heal those. Lord, we just commit this in your care. Amen. Thank you so much, Heavenly Father, that we can call upon you. And know that, Lord, you are willing to answer. And, Lord, I just thank you that you love to give. Lord, not, not in the way we always think, but, Lord, in the way that you know we need. And, Lord, I just pray for Hank this morning, Lord. Thank you so much for this brother and what he has come to mean to me. And, Lord, just the relationship that we have. And, Lord, I just pray that you would build him up in his inner man. And, Lord, that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit. Lord, it says in your word that whosoever lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. Yes. And Lord, by his own testimony, he's had a lot of knowledge but very little wisdom. And Lord, I just pray that it would be wisdom from God that comes pouring out of his life. Lord, as your Holy Spirit guides and directs him and fills him and, and shapes him into who you want him to be, Lord, I pray that this would be used and Lord, that you would you would heal the relationships in his life. And Lord, that you would bring back 
all that he desires, Lord, in the things of this life with the people that he loves. And, Lord, that you would just restore, Lord, as only you can. But, Lord, I pray that you would heal him in the way that he is asking spiritually. And, Lord, that you would just bless him. And, Lord, that he would have the joy and the peace and the love of Jesus Christ in his life. And, Lord, that the fruit of the Spirit would be abundant in his life and would show forth to others and be such a testimony. And, Lord, I just pray also, Lord, for his body physically, Lord, I pray that you would heal him. And, Lord, that, Lord, your grace would show forth. But even as you are taking him through these things, as the trials of life come upon him, Lord, that he would show that you are his Lord and Savior through the way that he handles them, through the way that he gives it to you and glorifies your name in all of it. But, Lord, I just pray that you would touch him, heal him in every way this morning. We thank you, Father, for you are the great physician. You are the one who is willing to give good gifts in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for Hank, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for his willingness, Lord, to travel miles, Lord, to come here. I thank you for Hank as a friend, Lord, and Lord, one that loves you, Lord, and loves the body. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, you would anoint him with the anointing, Lord, like you did, Lord, like God, how you anointed Jesus. Because, Lord, you love righteousness and hated iniquity, and therefore, God, anointed his son Jesus and love everyone else and he'll do the same for us if we love that truth love righteousness and hate sin Lord so I pray Lord for that anointing for all of us Lord that the Holy Spirit Lord would fall upon us Lord so that Lord you could guide us and direct our steps physically mentally spiritually in all these areas Lord I thank you for Hank and his testimony in Jesus name Father, I just ask you, Lord, this morning that you would, by your spirit, Lord, you would lift me up, you would raise me up, that you would fill me with that spirit so that I could be a testimony, a living testimony for you and not just, not just full of knowledge, Lord, but Lord, that I would have that life within that you ask for. And that life, that only life, that life is acceptable to you, that which comes from you, O Father. Not our own righteousness, Lord, but that you would fill me with your spirit so that there would be no, none of me and all of you, Father. Lord, I also pray for the broken relationships, Father, that you would restore those. That you would give me the wisdom in how to deal with it in every situation, Lord. Not just by the written word, but, Father, by your spirit, moment by moment, Lord. Father, I ask that you would forgive me, Father, where I have failed, where I have gone my own way, and where I have not followed that which I knew, Father. So, Lord, I ask that you would comfort those that I have hurt. Lord, that you would restore in your time, Father. Lord, I also pray for my physical body, Lord, that you would heal me 
that you would touch me in a way that only you can. You are the giver of life, Father. Father, I thank you for this body of believers here, Lord, that is willing to stand with me, to pray with me, Father. Bless them, Lord, as well. Father, without your spirit, we are simply full of knowledge, Lord. So I ask, Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. Thank you for inviting us to come to your throne of grace. You said, Lord Jesus, that we can come confidently, knowing that you hear us. We can come to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. And we come, all of us together, Lord, not just Hank, all of us together come because we all have the same need. We need grace to help us in our time of need. We need your mercy that is new every morning to be new in our hearts every morning, Lord. We need the faithfulness of your mercies throughout the day, Lord. And we lift up our dear brother before your throne of grace and we come with such confidence knowing that you, Jesus, are there in the heavenlies and you're standing right there at your Father's right hand and you're making intercessions for us and you're bringing the Holy Spirit into our hearts and you'll gladly give the Holy Spirit to our brother in such an abundance way, Lord, without measure. You give the Holy Spirit to those who ask you. And that's what we pray for. And we thank you, Father. I know you already are doing it. You have sent him from heaven for this very purpose. Not just to be a force in the world. To be a living spirit in human bodies. And make them your temple. Oh Lord, I pray. Fill him with your fullness. That he may know the fullness of God. And know how to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And know how to be a dad to his sons, Lord. Oh, Father, I thank you what you're going to do through our brother. And how you're going to live out your life through him. And I believe you will restore. And I thank you that you've forgiven him his sins. And you've cleansed him, Lord, from all unrighteousness. Because you say, if any man sin, Lord, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. We glorify your holy name. And so we come before your throne, your presence, with cheerful hearts, full of thankfulness and courage and blessing. Because you give to us all we ask. You won't give him a scorpion. You won't give him a snake. You're giving him the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, brother, we anoint you with oil. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord restore all your relationships, both to himself and to you together, and raise you up. And be healed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's precious, isn't it? That's precious.
But only a few things are necessary, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus said, when Mary sat at his feet and Martha was bothered by it. If you're here bothered because you're afraid Hank got something you don't have yet, you can come and get it too. Anytime. You don't have to get it here. You can get it right where you are. Right where you're seating. You can get it at home in your bedroom. You can get it at home as you're walking through the day. Jesus is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere all the time. That's what the Holy Spirit did with Jesus. That glorified him more than he ever could be in a physical body on the earth. It was only one person. could only be at one time. And this week we were reading the story in Luke, uh, our family, about the blind man called Bartimaeus. Remember his story? He was blind and he was seated beside the road, a busy road, and he was begging, begging for money. Maybe he had a sign out and for years we assume he was there taking people's change, spare change. One day he heard a lot of noise. And he said, what's all this noise? And they said, oh, Jesus of Nazareth is coming on this road. He's passing by. What does Bartimaeus do? Oh, poor old me. He probably won't look at me or care about me. There's so many people. He just got all quiet and depressed. Is that what he did? Hmm? Can someone tell me what he did? He started shouting. Jesus, you son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't care how many people heard him. In fact, the people around him started saying, shut up, be quiet, he's busy, hush. And the more they told him to hush, the louder he yelled. And Jesus heard him. Through all that multitude and noise, Jesus heard this one man crying for mercy. And he said, where is he? Bring him to me. And so they bring him to Jesus. And Jesus says, what would you like that I do for you? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Receive your sight. Boom! His eyes were open. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Try going through one day with your eyes shut. And then you can imagine it a little bit. What he experienced. And you know what he did? He did what I'd hope any one of us would do and are doing. He glorified God. And he followed Jesus. And when Jesus opens our eyes, our spiritual eyes, to see who he is and get to know him, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what we do. We follow him. We follow the Holy Spirit's voice every day of our life, glorifying God. And so if you're finding that to be the Christian life, to be a difficult life, a confusing life, a complicated life, 
a dead life of trying to obey God's word and understand it. This is what you need. And you'll get it the same way Bartimaeus got it. The same way Hank's getting it. Calling out in front of a whole lot of people. It doesn't matter anymore what people say or think. You lost it all because you're desperate to see Jesus and get to know him. And experience his life. You may turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8. Now I'm beginning to understand a little bit why the Lord has put this word so strongly on my heart to share with you this morning. I was struggling a bit this week because I thought the Lord wanted me to share something else. But the closer that I got to Sunday morning and the more I sought God, I felt like the Lord was saying no, no, and taking me to Romans 8. And I couldn't get away from it. The Spirit wouldn't let me. He's like, no, Romans 8, Romans 8. Read it again, read it again, read it again. But before I can share something with you, I have to know it first. And the way I get to know it is I have to experience it in my heart. I have to hear the Spirit saying these words, writing it on the tablet of my heart. See, that's the new covenant. In Hebrews chapter 8, he says, This is the new covenant I will make with you now, these days. I will write my word on your heart and in your mind. And when God does that, changes us. Changes me as much as a blank piece of paper is changed when words are written on it. Tell me what happens to a piece of paper when words are written on it. What do you see? The paper or the words? And if there are no words, what do you see? That's what happens. People look at you. They see God's word. They don't want to hear it. They see it. They might hear it too, but they see it in action. That's what God's been doing. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? Can someone tell me? Who made the law? God did. What did he say to enact that law? What did God say? Someone tell me. The soul that sins will die. That's it. When God speaks, it's a law. No man can change it. Every soul that sins dies. The law of sin and death. Sin equals death. Did Adam and Eve experience that law? Yes. When did they experience it? What had God said to them? Do not eat of that fruit 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day you eat, you will die. Did they die? Yes. What died? What changed the day they ate of it? Their relationship with God turned from one of good fellowship, friendship, to one of fear. What was Adam doing when he heard God's voice? What did he do? Hide among the trees. I can see him doing this kind of cops and robbers thing from this tree to this tree. Heard God's voice coming this way. We don't know how long the chase went on, but sometimes we think it was just an instant. I don't think so. He heard God's voice walking through the garden. It wasn't like God just showed up and, no, it was walking through the garden looking for Adam. Wanted to have an evening meal with him. And Adam was running. This had never happened before. Adam was always right there, picking the fruit, eating it with Eve, enjoying the Garden of Eden. And God shows up. Hello! Probably gave him a big hug. And can you imagine the fellowship they had? And Genesis doesn't tell us how long that went on. That could have went on for years. We don't know. But one day it all changed. The day he sinned. Everything with God changed. From fellowship to fear. And that's who we all are to this day. When the Holy Spirit speaks, we run. You do and I do too. Every soul that sins dies this death. Spiritual death of fellowship. It's fear. We're afraid of what God's going to tell us. We're afraid. Jesus said very clearly in John chapter 3, he said, Therefore men hate the dark, hate the light, and they won't come to the light lest their deeds be exposed. And so what do they do? They run when the light comes. When the Holy Spirit comes to shine the light on your heart and say, This is who you are and I'm God. And you need me. You need the Holy Spirit. We back away. Why? Because we're afraid of what he's going to do with us. Right? We're afraid of what he's going to ask me to do. We're afraid of how he's going to humiliate me and, and, and make me, you know, do this kind of thing. And I don't want to do that. For many reasons, maybe. Maybe we think we're good enough. We're good people. I, was, I never really sinned terribly. Never killed anyone. Never cheated on my wife or, you know, I, I was never in prison. I don't, I don't have any DUIs on my license record. I'll show you my license. I'll give you my social security card number. We're like that homeless guy that was down in my shed one day, and, and, I, and I showed up, and they were just trashing out my sheds down in Longmont. And, and so I just started just, just kind of showing up in, in the morning when, and, and trying to help them, you know, help them along so they don't trash out the sheds. And so we had them all locked and I pulled in there one morning and the shed doors open and I had gotten a call from the police that someone had started a fire and 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 so I show up and the doors are open and I said hello uh, what are you doing here and he said oh I'm just I'm camping out you know I'm he had all this stuff and like this was his residence and I said sir you're trespassing on my property 
And um, you're not supposed to be in the shed. I had it locked. You must have broke the lock. No, no, no. The doors were wide open. The doors were wide open when I got here. And I said, no, I don't think so, sir. Uh, yesterday I was here and the doors were locked and I'm the only one who has the key to the door. So, no, I don't think the doors were wide open for you. You need to pack up your bags and you need to move out. And he starts saying all kinds of things. And so I just grabbed my phone and I just put it on camera. And I said, you're on camera and we're here together. Now, just let's be civil about this. You're trespassing on property. You're not supposed to be sleeping in the sheds. Okay, I can't have you do that and trash it out. And I showed him how many things he had already done on the shed. And this was a customer's shed. I said, this shed is paid for. It's not even mine. It's another person's. So you need to move out. And immediately he starts saying, this is my full name. And he gives me his social security number. And his blah, 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 date of birth. And blah, blah, blah. And I said, just so you know, you're on camera. I'm going to have to call the police if you don't leave now. And, uh, you know, there are places that will take care of you. But this is not one of those places. And, and uh, so I ended up having to call the police on him because he got really upset about that. But so often that's how we, we are, you know. We'll say, oh, I'm, I, don't have any, I don't have any sin. I'm, I'm not dressed by... We, we declare our rights and we give out our social security number and our name and our... And God says, but your heart, your heart is in transgression. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. What you need is the Holy Spirit and a rightful place to live. My place, God says. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it is, as it was through the flesh, God did. You will never be able to be filled with the Holy Spirit and live in the love of God through your own efforts, through this body, and through my own will, through the flesh. Can't do it. You'll never lose that fear. You'll always be insecure in God's love. So God did it. For God so loved the world that He did. He gave His only begotten Son and whosoever should believe in Him should what? Not perish. Not perish but do what? Have everlasting life. Or in right, in, in, you could say, experience everlasting love. From fear to love. Because God is love. God did. Sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh... Though he never sinned, he took on the likeness of sinful flesh. That means he looked like every one of us, a normal person. In fact, Jesus lived such a normal person life that after he began his ministry, coming out of the wilderness, and he began to do miracles in Capernaum, that's where he, he bought a house and he lived there, or he rented one, but he had a house there, close by the sea, Luke says, one day he decided to go home to Nazareth where he was brought up. And Nazareth had heard of all these miracles Jesus was doing. And they said, wow, Jesus, do some miracles here. 
you know what the rest of the town people were saying? Wait, is this not Joseph's son? Are his brothers and his sisters not living right here among us? Some of them may have said, wait, I went to school with this dude. I know him. Who is he? I never seen a miracle. He was normal. I grew up with him. I mean, now he's about 30 years old. He lived with his mom. He's the guy that built my home, my furniture. Now he's saying he's healing people and blind are seeing and deaf are hearing and he's preaching all these amazing things and he's saying, wait, he's some son of God. He's the Messiah. I, but I grew up with him. That's how normal Jesus lived in the likeness of sinful flesh. But he never sinned once. But he was so like us that people found it unbelievable. And he was the Messiah. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He overcame it. He condemned it. He took that law of sin and death and he defied it. He overcame it. How did he do that? This is how he did it. Hebrews tells us how. And this is the only way you and I do it as well. We become like Christ in our flesh when we act like he did about sin. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 5, the perfect high priest. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, Thou art my son. Today I have begotten thee. Just as he says in another place, Thou art a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was a king back in Abraham's time. You can read about him. In the days of his flesh, here's how Jesus lived. In the days of his flesh, he just lived like a normal guy. Except for this. He had a secret with God that no one else had. No one. Up to this day, no one knew. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications. That means loud crying. With loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. That word means sincerity. He was real about it. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. How was he saved from death? And that word is spiritual death. He did not want to die the death of Adam. But he found himself in a body the same as Adam. And everyone around him was dead. They were dead people walking. They were dead to God. They had a knowledge of God. They had the Bible. They had the law of Moses. They had many interpretations of it. They went to the synagogue every Sunday. But the people he grew up with, there was a big difference. 
When Jesus was growing up from the time he was at least 12, we know that he knew consciously who he was. Because Luke records it that Jesus was in the temple, and in that temple he was talking to the leaders and the scribes and the Pharisees, and, and his mom and dad couldn't find him, remember? And they went on home, and for three days, it was they had lost him. And when they finally found him in the temple, his mom said, Son, what have you done to us? Can you imagine her frustration? Well, it's like a mama bear looking for her cubs for three days. She was a mama, a real mama. This guy was only 12, her firstborn son. And she was like, I lost him. Now I found him. What have you done to us? And Jesus answered her these words. Don't you know? I must be in my father's house or about my father's business. He knew who his father was. It wasn't Joseph. Joseph had adopted him earthly, but he had not given his seed to him. It came from his heavenly father. And Jesus knew that. But then he went on home, and for 18 years he lived like a normal man. Even his brothers and sisters didn't pick up on it. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah. He was so like them. Except for this secret. They didn't do this. But he did. So I think from the age of 12, he had the spirit with his father. He knew who his father was. And he cried secretly and he prayed secretly that God his father would save him from spiritual death. And he never sinned once because he was heard. In order, verse 4, Romans 8, in order that the requirement of the law might be filled, fulfilled in us. You want to be like Jesus? You're not at all like him. Don't think you are. Get down off that high horse and admit and humble yourself before God and say, I'm not like Jesus. I don't live like that. I am a sinful man. It was when Isaiah got down off of his high opinion of himself in Isaiah chapter 6 that he began to say, woe is me. The first chapters of Isaiah all the way through chapter 6, he cried, woe is Israel, woe is Israel. They're an unclean nation. They're sore with sin. And he cried the woes of the people around him. So easy for us to do that. Woe is you, and woe is you, and woe is my wife, and woe are my sons, and woe are all the carnal Christians, and, and it's our government, and they need Jesus, and woe is the world. Until you see Jesus. When he's seen God high lifted up, his language changed, and he said, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. Woe is me. And that's when God said, who shall I send to declare my word to my people? I'll choose you, Isaiah. Because now you see who you are and what you need from me, who I am. You need me. And something changed with Isaiah. From that day on, he began to hear the voice of God. Like he says in Isaiah 51, this is what he says of himself. I'll read it to you. 
And that's why the Isaiah, more than any other prophet of all the prophets and their writings recorded to us, spoke more prophecies of Jesus than anyone else. And Jesus quoted Isaiah more than any other prophet. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples. That means learned tongue. Something that's discipled is disciplined. How was his tongue disciplined? Here's how. That I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. It wasn't a woe word. You see how his language changed? From woe are the people. I'm looking for that one who's tired to encourage him. To pick him up. That I may sustain, know how to sustain the weary one with a word. And here's how he got it. He awakens me morning by morning. Every morning. Faithfulness. Morning by morning by morning by morning. What do your mornings look like? What do your mornings look like? Here's how Isaiah's look like. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. Oh, his tongue was discipled because his ear first was discipled. In that order. That's the only way you're going to control your tongue. No man can tame a tongue. James 3 says, no man. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison like the sting of snakes. And it sets the world on fire. I can't control my tongue. And neither can you. Quit trying to fool yourself. You can't. The only person who can control your tongue is your creator who created it. And you know how he controls the tongue? He changes the heart. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when he controls, changes the heart, the tongue speaks differently. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back, Isaiah says. That's how he learned it. That's how Jesus lived. Morning by morning, listening to his father. And that's why he did not lie. And he wasn't boasting when in John 5 he said, I do nothing on my own initiative. Not one thing. Wow. You live like that? He had no good ideas. He lived why? Not even one. Every idea he had, he was just like us. He had ideas. Plenty of them. But he always took them. Father, what do you think? Father, don't let me do my own way. Don't let me do my own will. He had a will, just like me and you. He wanted stuff, just like you and me. But he never did it. Not even one time. Can you imagine that? Not one time. You can't even imagine that. I can't either. Look at your life and say in the truth, with Jesus, I have never done my own will. And I don't do anything or say anything out of my own initiative. But I only do what I see my Father doing. And when I only speak what I hear Him say. 
Did he lie? What do you think? Was he boasting? No. It was the truth. And we pray all the time, Oh Lord, make me like you. We sing the song, Oh to be like the precious Redeemer. Do you really mean what you're saying or are you lying? Or are you trying to impress people? Or what do you want from Jesus? Bubbly feelings? Able to, you know, suffer things and not feel it? What are you asking for? Because I'll tell you something. You get exactly what you ask for. If you ask for the bubbly feelings, that's all you get. And bubbly feelings come and go. We all know that. And I think so many times in my own life, and I see so many Christians ask for this in their mind, bubbly feelings and love of joy, of peace, of happiness. And happiness only comes to us by things which happen to us. But if you ask for joy, that's irrelevant to anything that happens. Jesus said the night he was crucified, my joy I give to you so that your joy may be full. Really? Do you want his joy that he had in the garden, that he had hanging on the cross? Was he singing? Was he hollering and shouting, oh, hallelujah, I'm being crucified? No. What kind of joy did he have? Okay, for the joy that was set before him, Hebrews 12, he endured the cross, but he did have joy. You know what I think the joy he had? The one secret he gave us of what he said when they were nailing him to the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When people crucify you, do you have that joy? That's the joy he wants to give you and me. When we take up our cross and follow him, unless we do it, we're not his disciples. He said, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you are not my disciple. And this is the cross right here. I do nothing from my own will or my own initiative, but I only do what I hear him telling me to do. I live this way, and the only way I can live with this way is to do it the way he did it. To cry out in my heart, strong cryings and tears and prayers constantly. That's the posture of my heart. That's what's happening inside. You don't see it, because I live like a normal person, just like he did. His brothers and sisters didn't see this. His mom and dad didn't see it. None of the friends he went to school with seen that. But that's what God his father seen when he looked in his heart. And so God, his father, heard him and saved him from death, a fear of God. He had no fear of his heavenly father, not even an ounce. He had what 1 John 4 says, perfect love casts out all fear, all insecurity. He knew his father because he lived this way. You and I think we're better than that. Or you wouldn't be living the way you're living. You, we think we can go through life 
different than Jesus did and still be a good Christian and still be God's children and still be saved from fear of death, still be saved from spiritual death. I don't need to do that. I've been bought with a price. My God loves me. I don't have to live like that. We're fooled. We're deceived. We're in sin. We're slaved to so many things of our flesh. Because, and we don't even know it. We just think it's normal to do things out of our own ideas, to get bright ideas and just try them out, to, you know, just speak in a way, speak my feelings. Who said I can't talk what I feel? Say what I feel. I'm going to say what I feel. Okay. Okay. Your tongue won't be discipled. Because your ear isn't discipled. I can listen to any music I want to listen to whenever I want to. Who's going to tell me what music I can listen to or not? I get to decide that. Okay. See how that works out for you. See if you become more like Jesus. If you get to decide what you do with your life. Jesus did not live like that. He didn't get to decide his cross or the life that his father gave him. He didn't get to decide when he was going to start doing miracles or what miracles he was going to do. He didn't get to decide one thing about his life. He came, Philippians 2 says, and he humbled himself to become a man and take the form of a servant. What servant? God's servant. His father's servant. Or what the law could not do, he did. And he'll do through you and me. In order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, for the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Peace with God. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Because it comes from yourself. Anything that originates from me does not please God. And that's our biggest problem. We think we know how to do church. We think I know how to please God. I read my Bible every morning. That's how I please God. I read my Bible every night. That's how I please God. I don't need my Bible. I can please God without my Bible, some many Christians say. And that's why their Bible is hardly read. Because they don't think they need it. They can get right on through life without hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe once in a great while at some great revival or something. But once in a great while is just fine. I can get along with that. I know my sins are forgiven and I'm going to heaven. But I can yell at my wife and get your act together. And then I can go and sing at church and say, Oh, hallelujah, praise Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I can get angry with my sons and you know better than that. Or with my customers. I can call them names and I can use every language that the world uses. My tongue is my own. 
and then come to church and sing praises to Jesus, and I'm all good because I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. No, you're not. This is why millions of Christians will stand before Jesus at the judgment day and say, Lord, when did we not cast out demons in your name? When did we not go visit the prisoners? When did we not do this and this all in your name? And Jesus will have one horrible word to say to them, the worst word they've ever heard in their life. Depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. You didn't know me. You knew of me. But you didn't know me. This is who I am. Do you know this Jesus? This is how he lived. Do you live anything like it? However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. That's what happens. When the Holy Spirit comes within you, He makes your spirit alive to God, and now your body is dead. That means you really don't care anymore how perfect your hair are, what color shirt or pants you wear how you dress your body, what foods you eat. Sure, you still, this is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're conscious that you're living in this body, but it's not your God anymore. This body, with all its strong desires, dead to your spirit. Your spirit doesn't do it. Your spirit is not subject to this body anymore, or my own will, my flesh, my soul, my emotions. My spirit now is in control of this body, not upside down. You see, that's how God created us. He created us spirit, soul, and body. And He had us live like that. But here's the great fall of mankind. When Adam ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he fell from that spiritual control which his spirit had over everything. It ruled the whole world. Diminished all into the lusts of this body and the flesh of his own will. Diminished to his own thoughts and perceptions. No more did he see things as God seen him. No more could he see things as heaven seen him or think about things as heaven seen him. He was subjected to these little eyes, these little ears, this flesh. That's all he could know. That was the fall of man. Great was its fall. Way greater than what we know. Because we call this normal. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he makes this body dead. Just like Adam was back there in the garden before he sinned. And he makes the spirit alive. And now the Holy Spirit, the inner man, is the man who lives. And he hears God's voice. And he sees what God shows him. He lives just like Jesus did. By the things he sees his father doing. And the things he hears his father saying. That's how he lives. And he keeps him from sin. From doing his own thing. 
That's Christianity. That's what it means to be called Christ-like, a Christian. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. So then, brethren, we are not under obligation not to the flesh. We are under obligation not to the flesh. I owe this flesh nothing. Quit listening to it. Quit giving it something it demands. You owe it zero. Who do I owe? The Spirit. To live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I'm going to stop there. There's so much in this word that God wants to teach you and I about himself, but he's only going to teach it to those who are disciples, who are willing to hear his voice and follow him. If you get up in the morning, morning by morning, and do your own thing, Okay, see how that works out for you. But there's one thing that's not going to work out for you. That is the life of the Spirit will not work out itself in your body. You'll live just like everybody else and all your neighbors around you. Only you'll sing different songs, perhaps, at least at church do. But most of your music is the same music the world listens to. You'll say nice, good things and quote the Bible verses, perhaps to other Christians, but most of your language is the same language that your neighbors say. Only it's just not quite that bold. And so you think you're discipling your tongue. Because not every other word is a curse word. But you do curse your wife and you do curse your children if they don't obey you or if they frustrate you. And all that has to happen is to unloosen your tongue as somebody cut you off on the highway and that'll loosen your tongue. Not to them, to yourself. But heaven writes it down. You want to be a real Christian, your brother, sister? You want to be filled with the Spirit? And every word, Ephesians 5 says, let no unwholesome word. You know what the word unwholesome is? It's as we think of moldy bread. Wholesome bread is that which is healthy, good to eat. Moldy bread isn't healthy. And most people don't eat it. Are your words good, healthy to eat? Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only that which ministers grace to the hearers. That means it gives them inner grace. It encourages their spirit. Speaks life, not death. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it shall live by it. Proverbs says, Proverbs 18 says, I think it's Proverbs 18 says, if you curse and you continue to curse, after a while you're going to wear it like a clothing. Cursing 
will be who you are. Because it's in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Live for the flesh, or either you're led by the Spirit. You can't have it both ways. The Spirit will not come and fill someone who is still doing their own thing, living by their own ideas, living on their own initiative, living life without the way Jesus lived it. Total dependence on God for His life to keep Him from sin. That's the person the Holy Spirit fills. Do you live some kind of spiritual, renowned life? No. People will think you're normal. Everyday Joe, except for some. Something's missing in your life. Sin. That's what's missing. Anger. Outbursts of wrath. Cursing. Instead, when you get cursed, you bless. You love your enemies. Especially when they crucify you. That's where the deepest love comes. Father, forgive them. Intercession is the deepest love a man can have. To intercede for other sins that they do for to you, to your heavenly Father. That is the greatest form of love we can experience. That's why God gives us so much opportunity to love like that. Pick up your cross, follow him. But it can only be done if you are led by the Spirit, the flesh can never work this stuff out. Because it's flesh trying to do flesh. And flesh is not spirit. Jesus said in John 3, that which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. You must be born of the Spirit. You must be born again to live this life. See, that's what a secret Jesus had. He was not born of the will of man. Mary and Joseph did not come together and decide to have children. That's not how Jesus was born. He was not born of the seed of man. He didn't come from Joseph. He was born when the Holy Spirit came down over Mary and made her pregnant. He was born of the Spirit. And that is what we all need. To be born of the Spirit. And then we can begin to hear his voice, be led by the Spirit like Jesus was. Perhaps I'll continue to share what the Lord all did in writing these things on my heart. <laughs> Maybe the Lord knows. All this needed to happen. And he has more to do in me. The page is probably only half written. And I want to let him do it. All the others, to write that on my heart, Lord Jesus. Because you know I'm not like you in so many ways, Lord. I'm learning from you. I'm not perfect like you. And so I come to share this word. As Hank came, Lord, to be filled with your spirit, I come. We all come. Because we desperately need to be saved from our sin. And that's what you came to do, to save your people from their sins. And we're enslaved to so much insecurity and pride and arrogance and boastfulness and, and fears and all these things, Lord. We're still so subject to our flesh. 
We do so many things of our own will, in our own ideas. We can't control our tongues, and we can't control our ears. And we love the world. And you said, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's still so many things that can catch the affections of our heart and affect our souls. Oh, Lord Jesus, but you came to set us free. And you said, if you abide in my word, then are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I come for a greater freedom, Lord. A greater submission to you. And I'm thankful that you've invited us to come. And even when we're full of ourselves, you stand at the door. You're knocking to come in. Like you did the church at Laodicea. They said, we have need of nothing. But you said, oh, you don't know that you're naked and blind. and Yet you stood at the door and you knocked. Thanks for knocking. Today again, I open. In any of those areas, Lord, in my life, where that door is still closed, there's not full fellowship where you can come in and out of that door and live there in your presence. I come. Take me up higher. Change me, Lord. Continue writing your word on my heart. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Phil, for those words and for sharing that. Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. I just uh, thanks again for sharing that. It's a lot to be uh, thought upon this week, and then that Lord can continue to move in each of our lives. No, we usually don't do this, but I'd like for everyone to stand, and we'll sing that song, Spirit of the Living God, Follow Fresh on Me. Spirit of the Living God, Follow Fresh on on me, melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And then maybe after the song, Christopher, if you then maybe could uh, close us in a word of prayer and ask the blessing on the new meal. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. There's a scripture that was really on my heart this week. I'm just going to, um, well, I'll just quote it. I think it's um, applicable for all the things we've heard. Um, God says, well, he that offers praise or the sacrifice of thanksgiving glorifies me. And then this part, to him and to him that orders his life aright, 
will I show the salvation of God. So all these things that we read about, all these promises of God that he wants, he really freely wants to give, there's, we have to do our part to order our life to be in a place to receive of him and just to, to be still, let him write him on our hearts as brothers preaching to us and as the word preaches to us. So, Father, we pray you help each of us as we go. Sometimes it's just little changes we need to be obedient to your spirit, to order our life in a way that we're more receptive and more in a place to hear from you and to receive your salvation, which is so much, every, the, the, so much, oh God, conforming us into the image of Jesus is what you want is what you've declared your will for us. So we pray you help each of us as we go away this day and through the week to make time just to be still with you and to hear and to know that you're God.